Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Trash Talk with TK. I am your host, TK Tom Kelly. Back bringing the podcast back for another season here. As Eagle season now in full swing. And I got to get these takes out on a Monday. The day after these games. I mean, so far this year... Very exciting games for the Eagles, Um, games in which there are plenty of things to nitpick, uh, plenty of things to to discuss in terms of where this team can improve. Uh, But in the end, they are 4-0. And throughout the course of the show today, uh, we'll go through the Eagles and Commanders game. I'll also give you some thoughts on Phillies Marlins before we get out of here. That three-game series, wildcard series, gets started Tomorrow night, down at Citizens Bank Park, um, I'll be on after those games uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. So very excited for that. And we'll do a little Phil's Marlins preview uh, at the end of the show before we wrap up. But uh, during the football season, I like to do these day after podcasts uh, to give thoughts on the Eagles game here. And yesterday, I mean, what an exciting game as the Eagles beat the Commanders 34-31 in what or in Philadelphia, rather, they beat the Washington Commanders. Um, but a hell of a game, an incredible game, and you know, a, a game in which, I, and I think this has been kind of the theme of this season so far, when it comes to fans, analysts, and, and how we evaluate this team. Is every game this team is obviously winning? They're they're four and zero at this point, but. People don't seem to be satisfied. And to a certain extent, I understand it. I think when you look at what this team did last year and the way they were basically perfect, um, it's it's impossible to live up to that standard. But that has become, for better or worse, the standard that this team set for itself. It's what we expect at this point. Um, but for me, and my big take after these four games, and it might seem simplistic, But my big takeaway is that the Eagles are 4-0. And there are 32 teams in this league. And only two of them, after four weeks, still have an undefeated record. There are more than two really good teams in the NFL. It is hard to win football games. It is hard to win and perform week after week. And that's the bottom line. This team has found a way to win every different type of game. And... I think what Nick Sirianni said after the game in the locker room, if you got a chance to see that video, is exactly right. Like, Nick Sirianni basically echoed a lot of the things that I I said so far. Hard 
to win the league, all the cliches that you'll hear. But he basically said through four games, hey, we've won pretty much every different way. And they have, and that's a good thing. Like, that is the big positive that I am taking from these first four weeks of the season. Eagles week one, you know, they won a game in which the offense didn't play very well. And they had to grind it out defensively. And the defense got a bunch of turnovers. They got big stops at the end of the game. Week two, you know, you're in front. The offense had some struggles. But the defense all of a sudden, you know, starts giving up some points. You find a way, though, to hang on to that game. Week three against the Bucs, you kind of blew them out. And then yesterday, the offense came back and won you that game yesterday. And, and again, like, for all the, the panic and I think over-the-top criticism of Jalen Hurts, of Brian Johnson, and this offense as a whole, um, they found a way to win that game yesterday with offense. They won that game because of their offense. And that is an extremely positive sign moving forward. And, and like, was Jalen perfect? No. I mean, there are throws that he'd like to have back throughout the course of that game. Um, still kind of struggling to get him going in the running game. I, I think that in part, is by design. I don't think the Eagles, and I don't think Jalen, um, wants to be in a situation where he is out taking the these sorts of hits that he has taken in the past. But to me, my big takeaway was the offense won you a football game. And that is a Washington defense that has a lot of talent. Like, they have a lot of talent up front with Chase Young and with Jonathan Allen. Like, those guys have a... a, a big-time capability of getting to the quarterback and of wreaking havoc on an offense's game plan. And the Eagles found a way to get it done in the end. And again, it wasn't perfect, but I thought Jalen took a lot of strides in the right direction yesterday. I thought for the first time this year, the passing game looked looked really good. I mean, again, it was the reason that they won the last two weeks. You know, and I don't know if it has anything to do as a direct result from the A.J. Brown blow-up on the sideline in the Minnesota game, but all of a sudden, A.J. Brown's come to life. I know he had the taunting penalty at the end of the game. I think that was a BS call, to be honest with you. Like, I, I he put the ball down in the guy's lap. I mean, by the letter of the law, I suppose that's taunting, but there's a time-and-place type situation, and I didn't think it was egregious enough at that point in the game to get called. But in general, I mean, A.J. Brown is a difference-making receiver, and you see him, and the the impact that he has on this offense. I mean, A.J. Brown was huge for this team yesterday, and it just shows the amount of weapons that they have. And we can nitpick the offense, and we can complain about they're not as good here as they were last year, they're not playing as well there as they were last year, and I think that's that's fine to an extent. But I also think we need to have more of a perspective here. And the bottom line is, through four games, this team is averaging 29.5 points per game. And I know we, we can look at everything and say, well, you know, they've had this many turnovers. They've been set up in good field position. Some of those points are defensive. Look back, and I'm sure we could say some of those similar things about games last year, too. But this team is averaging 29.5 points a year, or points a game. And this team is 4-0. And that is incredibly, incredibly important when you look at the NFL and you look at at what matters, man. And especially since the playoffs have been restructured, getting that top seed, getting that bye is critically important. Now, the San Francisco 49ers are 4-0 as well. 
they're also a damn good football team. And man, it's looking more than ever like that game. And I believe week 13, a little later on at the link is going to be huge. I mean, that game could end up deciding who ends up getting the home field advantage in the NFC this year. Um, But I'm extremely encouraged after that game yesterday. And I know people are yearning for these blowout wins. I know people don't want these kind of competitive games, but this is what it's going to be like. And I think when we look at this team, we got to forget about last year to an extent. Because last year was the, the anomaly. Last year was a very, very rare circumstance where you were able to win football games and you're able to blow teams out. That's not typically the way it goes. Many seasons, it's like this. Even when you're really good, you have to grind out wins. I remember back early 2000s, those Andy Reid, Donovan McNabb teams, they were great football teams. They weren't blowing everybody out week after week. There were a lot of difficult weeks. There were a lot of difficult wins, and I think that's a sign of a good team. This team's winning close games. I think that's a real positive, and I feel great about them coming out of that game yesterday, specifically the offense. Hey, defense had a rough day, um, but again, like I think you do need to look at it and tip your cap a little bit to the other side, and that's another one of my big takeaways coming out of this, uh, this game. Eric Bieniemy's a damn good coach, and we've been saying it for a long time, um, but it, it's never been more evident to me that that man should be a head coach in this league. Uh, what he's doing with that Washington offense, um, the way he's bringing Sam Howell along, I was I was very impressed with Sam Howell yesterday. I, I thought he played, played a really good game. Um, I thought that drive at the end of the game, yes, the Eagles were playing some lax coverage, uh, but Sam Howell made some, made some big-time throws, the touchdown throw with one second left to Jahan Dotson is is a hell of a throw. I mean, the coverage isn't terrible uh, from, from Slay, but he puts it in a spot where his receiver can can get it, and basically his only, only his receiver can get it. Um, so the defense had a rough day. I expect them to bounce back. Um, they're getting decent play from the linebackers, which is, is what you want to see. Um, but, you know, that defensive line's ridiculous, and more often than not, they're going to get after the quarterback. Rough day yesterday. But I felt good about that. Now, uh, one other thing that I did want to touch on for the Eagles game before we uh, do a quick uh, preview of the wild card series here is the decision making at the end of the game by Nick Sirianni, 24-24, 24-24. And the Eagles have the ball in Washington territory and theoretically could run the clock down and kick a field goal. Now, Nick Sirianni's getting hammered today for going to the end zone and throwing the touchdown pass, going for a touchdown to A.J. Brown. I, I'm i not going to lie to you, I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a huge problem with it. Now, in retrospect, of course, you look back, and sure, I mean, seeing the way that game played out and all the time you left for Washington and they go down and score the touchdown, sure, in retrospect, you think, okay, yeah, maybe we should just run the ball and take in, take in the points. But in general, I don't have a problem being aggressive. Like, a lot of bad things can happen over the course of a minute 43. I mean, you've got to run. Washington, I think, had, what, two timeouts? You've got to run at minimum three to four, like, real legitimate plays uh, before, you know, you can just kneel on the ball. You can have penalties. You know, you can have uh, a fumble, a fumbled snap. 
You could have, uh, you know, just bad things that can happen, negative plays that could either drive you out of field goal range or give up the ball entirely. And I don't know whether Nick made that decision or whether Jayla made a check at the line, but if you have a one-on-one matchup with A.J. Brown on the outside and you can put seven on the board, I'm sorry, I'm taking seven and I'm trusting my defense. Now, again, like, opponent matters. I'm probably not saying that if it's the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes or if it's the Bills and Josh Allen or maybe even the Dolphins offense and and Tua and those receivers on the other side. Maybe in that situation, it it encourages the Eagles more to run the football, take the points. But when you're going up against Sam Howell and the Commanders, I don't have a problem with being aggressive, putting up seven and trusting your defense. Defense should have gotten a stop. They weren't able to do it. But in general, I'm not going to crush Nick Sirianni for that decision. Um, I think it would be somewhat hypocritical. Like, I am, in general, a a person who likes aggressiveness uh, and likes head coaches that are aggressive. Now, you can get so aggressive it can border on stupidity, which is, I think, what happens with Brandon Staley of the Chargers. Like, he is is aggressive to a fault. But if I'm going to, you know, crush conservative coaches week after week, like I have no problem doing, like Josh McDaniels last week with that field goal he kicked at the end of the Raiders-Steelers game, then, you know, I, I think you need to be consistent in that. And I'm okay going with the touchdown there. I didn't think it was a horrible decision. Um, I'll take the touchdown more often than not. And if anything, I think the bigger coaching mistake at the end of that game, like we're looking at Sirianni and should the Eagles have gone for the end zone there, to me, the bigger coaching mistake was Ron Rivera not going for two. I mean, I'm watching that game, and they scored the touchdown. It's 31-30. I was fully expecting him to go for two there. And I was so happy when they sent the, the field goal team on for that extra point um, because I felt good about the Eagles' chances going into overtime. Like, you're the better team. You're at home. Uh, whether you get the ball first or not, I felt really good about the Eagles' chances in that situation. But Washington had it rolling, and they had just scored that touchdown. I know Rivera, I think, said after the game it was because his offense was tired. I mean, I don't think that's a good reason not to go for two. You're talking about one play. Okay, if your offense is tired, you're going to get them a rest and then send them back out for an overtime session against that defensive line. I take my chances to get two yards in that spot. Uh, So, to me, Ron Rivera had the much bigger coaching uh, error at the end of that game than, than Nick Sirianni did. But a good win for the Eagles. They're 4-0. And I think in general, man, you know, people should be happy about it. People should be happy about where this team is at and, you know, should be encouraged about where they're headed uh, moving forward here. But the Eagles get the win. They're 4-0. As far as some other observations from around the league uh, this week, I, the Bills, they look to be back on track. Really impressive victory over the Dolphins. Um, the, the Ravens beat up on the Browns. I think the Browns, like Deshaun Watson didn't play yesterday. Uh, but I, I, I don't think that team's very good. The Nick Chubb injury was really a killer for them. Um, how about the Texans? They beat up on the Steelers. Kenny Pickett gets hurt in that game, but I'll tell you what, man, I think D'Amico Ryans is a really good coach and I think he's going to do a really good job with that team. And that team's a sleeper. I mean, they have talent on the defensive side of the ball, especially Uh, They have a lot of talent. If C.J. Stroud can come along relatively quickly here, 
I wouldn't be shocked to see that team be in the mix to win that division. That division's not very good. Uh, the Colts mounted a comeback against the Rams yesterday, but ultimately weren't able to win that football game. Um, the Jaguars kind of had a slow start to the year here, and the Titans, uh, probably the best-looking team at this point. That's another big storyline from yesterday is what is going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. They score three points. That just looks like a disastrous situation. Um, you know, the Cowboys beat up on the Patriots 38-3, to uh, and then last night, Chiefs beat the Jets on just a terrible, a terrible call. I mean, if we think the James Bradbury holding call in the Super Bowl was bad, that call last night was atrocious. Um, more than anything, when it was called, because you you watch that play, and they call the holding on Sauce Gardner, um, you can make the call. Like, I have no problem with the call itself, but it was so late. Like, it was clearly like the official is standing there, and he's basically not going to throw the flag. All of a sudden, he realizes the ball's going to be intercepted, then decides to throw the flag on something that happened five seconds earlier. He just can't do that. It's a bad look. Um, but at least Taylor Swift was able to see her guy, uh, Travis Kelsey, uh, win that game last night. But that, uh, an interesting day in the NFL. The Eagles are 4-0, um, and you got to feel good about where they're at right now. But before we finish up the podcast today, um, I want to give a brief preview of the Phillies-Marlins here. And the Phillies-Marlins... Three-game series coming up Tuesday, Wednesday, and if necessary, Thursday uh, at Citizens Bank Park, um, and the Phillies taking on Miami. And this is kind of a surprise. I mean, it looked for a long time like this was going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. It ends up being the the the, the Marlins. And the Marlins, I'm not going to lie to you, they scare the hell out of me. Like, throughout my lifetime, really going back over the last... 20 years, I'm older than 20 years old, but this team has tortured the Phillies, going all the way back to the Juan Pierre, Luis Castillo, Jeff Conine days, when they would just ruin Philly seasons, even a few years ago, when, remember, the Phillies just could not win down in Miami, uh, that 2020 season, where they played like a seven-game series in Miami and lose five of seven, and that's pretty much what cost them the ability to go to the playoffs, um, they're just one of those teams that always give the Phillies problems. Now, that being said, I do think the Phillies win the series. But more than anything, I'm confident in this team. Uh, again, Miami's scary. They're they're pesky. They got some nice players uh, on that side. They have a, a a dynamic lineup. Um, when you look at you know Jazz Chisholm and uh, De La Cruz and and Josh Bell, who's a Philly killer, they have a lot of guys who are just professional hitters are going to be able to, you know, kind of put good at bats together. Um, but in the end, I think the Phillies win this series. And I think game one is critical. And that's not, you know, a kind of a crazy thing to say here. When you look at these three game series, game one is so, so important. And the matchup tomorrow night, Zach Wheeler going up against Jesus Lugardo, Luzardo, rather, um, you know, Marlins, they come in, they're going to throw two lefties at the Phils in games one and games two. Unorthodox, probably not really um, a great matchup for the Phillies. Uh, I'd imagine Brandon Marsh will sit and it'll be Christian Pache out in left field for these first two games. Um, But it's going to be an interesting series. And I think whoever wins game one will win game two. 
Like, I don't expect this series to go three. That's kind of my big prediction on it um, is, you know, I think the Phillies win it. But if you lose game one, I, I don't feel great about Nola with your season on the line. I think Aaron Nola is the kind of guy who is going to ride the momentum. And if the Phillies win game one, I feel much better about his ability to go out and pitch well and give you a gem in game two. But I think whoever wins game one is going to win this series in two. I'm taking the Phillies. I do like the Phillies, but I think game one's of the utmost importance. And Wheeler's looked a lot better since the All-Star break. You hope he can go give you a good outing. And this lineup, man, you got to feel good about the lineup right now, the way this team's been hitting the ball. And if there's one area you're a little concerned about, it's the bullpen. Um, Really, aside from Jose Alvarado and Jeff Hoffman, and who thought at this point in the year we'd be talking about Jeff Hoffman in those terms, you really don't have a ton you can feel good about. And that's why, and I I said this last week when I was on 94WIP, but I, I desperately believe that the Phillies need to have Ranger, Ranger Suarez available to them out of the pen in games one and games two. Like, I know he's kind of your game three starter in pencil as of now, but you have Christopher Sanchez, and I would trust Sanchez more in that spot than I would trust Craig Kimbrell or Sir Anthony Dominguez or Matt Strom, whoever you want to throw out to Gregory Soto. I'd trust Ranger in, in that spot out of the bullpen and instead of those guys. And I trust Sanchez in a game three start more than those guys out of a critical spot in the pen. So I think that's a real interesting dynamic is how aggressive is Rob Thompson in this series with Ranger. Um, I would get him in there if you feel like you need to though. And I think game three, you got to manage this game, all hands on deck. This needs to be a game of the utmost importance. Um, And if Phillies win it, I think they'll win game two, Uh, but it should be a fun series. Again, I'll be back on WIP. Um, After every game of this series, Uh, we'll have the game. Then Jack and James will do a a high hopes post game. And I'll be on after them uh, pretty much all night until three reacting all these games. So very excited for it and excited to watch playoff baseball and excited to talk to all you guys uh, later on uh, on the radio this week. But this has been fun. This has been Trash Talk with DK. We'll have another episode coming to you shortly, uh, but wanted to get this one out to preview the Phil's Marlins series and also recap that Washington Eagles game. But Eagles are 4-0. Phil's heading into the playoffs. Great time in Philadelphia sports. Um, and I'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.